0: Welcome to the Diversity Hygiene Academy podcast series. This is podcast number three. Today we will be discussing the difference between cleaning, sanitizing, and disinfection. My name is Van Walter and I'm going to be today's host. With us today is Jim Goche. As a part of the Diversity Hygiene Academy, we will have some slides on the topic, a video recording, an audio recording, and a quick narrative on the content. So there's plenty of tools for you to reference after this podcast. Please feel free to sit back, listen, and learn. A podcast about cleaning? Diversity Hygiene Academy podcast series. Well, welcome, Jim. Thanks for joining us today. not a problem, Van. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, it's great, I think today's topic is, is very interesting and something that comes up very, very often. We're going to discuss, and you're going to bring us uh, some some information on what the difference is between cleaning, sanitizing, and disinfecting. These are uh, some terms that I, I very frequently hear used almost interchangeably. So they're they're very different, though. So if you could just kind of get us started on describing what the difference is here,
1: I would agree that they're interchangeable. That was a good point to make on this. So to me, clean or cleaning, is that physical removal of dust, soil, organic material, blood, uh, excretions, secretions, microorganisms. It's the removal of them from a surface. So it's a physical removal rather than an actual kill. Whereas when you start to say sanitize, that's actually talking about the removal and kill of some organisms. And in my world, in infection prevention and control, Sanitize sort of falls into two categories, whether we're talking about surfaces that may never have contact with food or food contact surfaces, uh, because you get different numbers with it. So for a non-food contact surface, to sanitize would mean that you would lower the number of microorganisms to that wiping and the chemical by three log. For a food contact surface, where you're actually preparing food, we need that reduction to be much higher. We need a five-log reduction there. So when we use the term disinfect, that's where we are using a chemical to inactivate disease-causing microorganisms.
0: So inactivate, Um, you know, before you're talking about sanitizing, you're talking about reduction. Does inactivate mean to to kill? And if so, does does it kill everything on that surface or is there a certain percentage or how does that work?
1: Yeah, it, it sort of just fall into a percentage. Uh, so there's actually three levels of disinfection that we use, especially in healthcare. And the most common one that you will see when you see a, an environmental services tech with a cloth and a product is low-level disinfection. We're killing many microorganisms, like we're actually killing upwards of six log microorganisms. Uh, so you'll kill things like your bloodborne pathogens, like HIV and hepatitis B, but you're not killing some of the harder to kill organisms, things like say tuberculosis or some of the small uh, viruses that don't have an envelope around them. They're really hard to kill and may not be killed with just low-level disinfection. So when we say low-level disinfection, that is almost interchangeable with hospital disinfection or a low-level disinfectant is a hospital disinfectant. The next level we've got is an intermediate-level disinfection. And when you start using an intermediate-level disinfectant, that means that you're actually killing tuberculosis. Uh, so that's where we get this term tuberculocidal. You're able to kill tuberculosis. And it, that just shows a level of kill. Usually when you get to the intermediate level disinfectant, it's also killing those harder to kill viruses. Things like norovirus that causes the vomiting and diarrhea, rhinovirus that causes like 50% of our common colds, and other things like hepatitis A, which is a big issue in some states right now. When you get up to high level disinfection, sort of the third classification, that's destroying all bacteria and viruses. But it's not taking care of really large numbers of spores. And spores are those bacterial structures
0: that are really, really hard to kill. You mentioned the word, I asked a question, and that word was log. Are you referring to what I have out back that I'm going to throw on the fire later? Or what the heck is that? Yeah, and I'm
1: sorry, that's a term that sort of shows up a lot of times when we talk about bacterial reduction. So log is a short form of the term logarithm. And you may remember back in math class, they used to make us play with numbers. And very, very simply, logarithmic means how many times do we have to, how many of one number do we multiply to get another number? So you'll see log written with a little number, uh, sort of a subscript underneath it. So log 10 means we're using factors of 10. So uh, 100 would be 10 times 10. So the log 10 of 100 is 2. How many times do we have to take one number and multiply it to get another number? So if we had 10,000, that's 10 times 10 times 10 times 10, which is 4, 10. So the log 10 of 10,000 is 4. So we sort of use it sometimes also interchangeably with a percent reduction when we're talking about removing or killing bacteria.
0: So when you say a percent reduction, so um, just a second wrap my head around this. I'm looking at a label uh, and it says 99.9%. Is that is that kind of what you're talking about here? Yeah, uh, so
1: 99.9% ties into logs really well. And it, it's funny, I, I use the expression, what do the nines have to do with it, right? So if you have 99.9%, that's three nines listed. And that's actually a three log reduction, three log 10, we're using that factor of 10 again. So if you have 99.999, five nines listed, that's a five log reduction. So the way I like to do it, and I like to show people this, because when you work with huge numbers, sometimes log reduction isn't all that impressive. Uh, so for large numbers, I like to remove the number of zeros according to the number of nines, And I'll show you an example of that. I'll give it to you here. Uh, you're actually sort of moving the decimal point over, because any number that we write, if we write a 1,000, write one zero zero zero. Normally, we would put a decimal point after it in case there's a fraction of a number there. So if I had the number 1 million, and I said, okay, my product kills 99.9% of those organisms, that's three-ninths. My million has six zeros. So that means I'm taking off three zeros. So I'm down to 1,000. So even with a 99.9% kill, if I had a million organisms, I still have 1,000 organisms left. So if I have a product that's going to say, you know, we can disinfect it 99.999%. There's five nines. So then we got to take a look at how that actually works with the number of organisms. There's still going to be 10 organisms present. So I use that as I move the decimal point. So if it's 99.9, I move the decimal point over three times to get to that thousand organisms that are left. So sometimes we like to use nines or sorry. Well, yeah, the nines is percentages on labels, and you'll see this 99.9% kill, uh, because I see that on a lot of store-bought stuff. Uh, But it's also that log reduction. And we use the log for these very, very large numbers. I sometimes do this on a when I'm presenting in front of people. I'll write the number a trillion, uh, which is one with 12 zeros after it, and say, so even if I have a six-log reduction and take six zeros off of my 12 zeros, I still have six zeros left. So at nine... uh, six log reduction, 99.9999 reduction. If there was a trillion organisms present, I still have a million organisms. Uh, So sometimes this helps me explain why we want to clean first and remove a bunch of organisms because that trillion number comes from what is present in terms of bacteria in human waste, uh, feces, stool, whatever we want to call it. Poop is probably the easier way to put it. So if I have um, a gram of dried feces on a surface, and that's about the size of a sugar cube. I always remind healthcare staff that's a trillion, one times ten to the twelfth organisms present. So if you don't clean it first and just use a disinfectant that's going to kill 99.9999, that 6 log reduction, you still have lots of bacteria
0: left. So it's very interesting. So how does this, or does it, directly... Court or or, or uh, relate to cleaning, sanitizing, and disinfecting. So, can basically, are there certain numbers that you can tie to each one of those?
1: Yeah, there is. Um, so, the term I didn't talk about is sterilization because we don't use that. Um, that's used in very specific settings where we sterilize something. And sterilization means it's 100% reduction, everything's gone. Uh, it's, it's definitely more than a six log reduction. Uh, it will kill all the organisms that are present. That's sterilization. But we don't sterilize our environment. So even those terms that I gave you, the high level, intermediate level, and low level, high level disinfection is going to be at least a six-log reduction of the microorganisms that are there. So we're taking care of at least a million organisms. But we're not going to kill all of those hard-to-kill things like spores. The intermediate level disinfection where I'm able to kill uh, that tuberculosis, have that tuberculocidal claim, that's killing It's 100% reduction in the microorganisms that are present. It's a six-log reduction, but it's killing the bacteria and viruses, right? We're not getting into the spores at all. Low-level disinfection. If I have a disinfectant that I can classify as a low-level disinfectant, I have to show that we have a six-log reduction in bacteria. That's what we test. And the way the testing works now is they make us put more than six-log organisms down Um, and we expose it to our disinfectant, we then stop the disinfectant from working, see how many bacteria are still left. And we have to show at least that six-log reduction, the 99.9999% reduction. When we get into the sanitizers, that's where there's a difference. If I want to say I can sanitize the food contact surface, I have to show that 99.999% reduction or a five-log reduction in bacteria. Sanitizers aren't tested against viruses. So I'm able to kill that 100,000, right, with the five zeros after it, bacteria, Mm -hmm. for a non-food contact sanitizer. I only have to show the 99.9% reduction, three log. So I only have to be able to kill 1,000 bacteria on a surface. But a non-food contact sanitizer should be used on a surface that's been cleaned already. So, again, cleaning is going to do some. It removes a little bit of stuff. There's some articles out there that say that, you know, if you wipe the surface really well, you may remove two or three logs, but it's not something I depend on. I want to make sure that the visible dirt is gone. Uh, So it doesn't really fall into a percent reduction by cleaning. But we know our disinfectants work much better. And actually, it's recommended that you only apply them
0: to a cleaned surface. To help... Help me drive this home a little bit, and help help our listeners understand this a little bit too. So, could you give give us an example? Like, if I'm out at the grocery store or at the pharmacy, and I see on the shelf some some wipes on the shelf, can can you tie or, or give us an example as far as log reduction and what we might see on a label at a, at a, a you know a retail store that we frequent? Sure. Uh, So a lot of times, um, you know, you'll
1: see on the label uh, kills 99.9% of cold and free viruses. Uh, I've seen that on the store-bought products Um, because i like to look at these things. Actually, I do this. uh, I know my blood donor area. Uh, They had a store-bought disinfectant wipe that I looked at going, "Um, you guys ever read the label on this? Because they weren't using it the way it was recommended to be used. So a lot of these, when you read the label, your store-bought brands are going to sanitize okay. Uh, they're going to kill 99.9% of germs in 30 seconds. But as I've showed you, if you have a lot of bugs present on the surface, 99.9% really isn't all that much. You had a million organisms, you still have a 1,000. Now, if you look at the label, they will say it disinfects. But usually, the contact time changes. It takes a lot longer than 30 seconds to get up to that disinfection level, that five-log reduction. Um, and so many of these products will stay four minutes or 10 minutes because of the chemistry that they use on these wipes. And when I was at the blood donor clinic, um, I asked, you know, what's that wipe over there? Because they use bleach and water if there's actually a blood spill because, you know, people are donating blood. You might have a little bit of blood show up. But what they use, the store-bought brand was for the chairs that we lie in while we're having our blood taken. So I asked them for it. I read it and it says, yes, disinfect, leave wet for 10 minutes. And I looked at her and said, so you apply this two or three times at the end of the day, right, to disinfect these couches. And she goes, no, we just wipe it. I said, did you know it's supposed to stay wet for 10 minutes? Because you have to follow what it says on the label. Even with the store-bought brand, they will tell
0: you how long it needs to stay wet. Right, right. And and what about, you know, is it is it killing, are these products that we buy in stores, are they, are they killing what the... What, uh... We need to have them kill at home? Or what about, you know, um, or more institutional facilities? What what would be the difference, I guess?
1: Yeah, and this is the problem that I have where, um, you know, healthcare, like an acute care hospital, isn't going to use store-bought brands. They need the hospital disinfectant. But as soon as you step outside of that and get into long-term care, retirement homes, schools, a lot of businesses, they'll go to the store-bought one. So, I looked at the one brand and it said kills cold and flu viruses. So, I looked at, took a look at what was listed on there. And the viruses that they listed are the really easy to kill ones. Yes, they cause colds. You know, they had the human coronavirus and they had influenza on there and, you know, other things. RSV is one of the acronyms we use for one of these viruses. And they do cause illness in humans for sure. But they're really easy to kill. So, then I thought, well, let's take another look at a different brand. Because it, again, said, you know, kills 99.9% of cold and flu viruses. And I looked at the sheet that I could find from the company, and they listed like seven different influenza strains. Like they had influenza A from H1N1 and H1N3 and all these different things, the pandemic strain that we saw back in 2009. But they're all influenza A. So all of the viruses that they listed were all easy to kill. Now, they did list one, and they said, if you're trying to kill this one, you have to keep it wet for four minutes. And it was one of these larger, um, small non-envelope viruses, something called rotavirus that they had in the label. But they were very clear on the label. You have to leave it wet a lot longer compared to these easy-to-kill ones. Um, And it's not even the hardest virus to kill. So my big problem with a lot of the store brands is they're not really effective against the things I worry about as an infection control practitioner, that I might see in long-term care. So they don't kill that norovirus uh, that causes the vomiting and diarrhea that goes through everywhere all the time. That's the big one you see on cruise ships for coronavirus anyways. Uh, But the one that causes the vomiting and diarrhea, if it's a viral infection, it's really hard to kill. And it is definitely not killed by some of these store brands. That's why you want to have your hospital disinfectant or something that's an intermediate-level disinfectant that states we can kill those hard-to-kill viruses like norovirus, rhinovirus, hepatitis A. And sometimes what you'll actually see on these products is polio virus. Not that polio is a big problem, but it's a, a virus that we can test in the laboratory a lot easier than some of these other viruses. Yeah, well, this is, you
0: know, we, we started this conversation, and when we started it, it, it was on the just the basis of today. We're going to be talking about the difference between cleaning, sanitizing, and disinfection. It seems pretty pretty simple question, a pretty simple uh, um, thing to explain, but actually it it gets fairly complex, and there's a, there's a lot to it. And then you start adding in the log reduction and how that how that factors into cleaning, sanitizing, and disinfection. So if you could, you know, can you just break it down in some and give us just some key takeaways and points? Sure. I think the biggest thing to remember is
1: we always need to clean before we disinfect. That helps get the surface ready. And in many cases, giving surfaces a good wipe with a detergent, like some soap and water, is probably going to keep surfaces safe. If we have somebody who is sick is when we have to take a look at what we're trying to kill. And I think what we're going to see, especially after um, COVID-19 caused by this new virus, is people are going to expect their surfaces to be disinfected. So we're going to want to clean first and then disinfect. But then there's the question of what are you trying to kill and what does your product actually kill? So if nothing else, I want people to take a good look at their label and say, you know, are you going to kill something like rhinovirus that causes 50% of those colds and flus that we see go through long-term care and through schools? Or do we just want to be able to kill the easy stuff? Uh, My personal feeling is we should always be aiming high, um, especially if I'm looking at a long-term care facility where we don't want to see granny and grandpa within these facilities getting that cold caused by rhinovirus. We definitely don't want them to get the SARS-CoV-2 virus because that was so devastating on this population. And we don't want them to have the vomiting and diarrhea in schools. I think it's a good idea to, to say you know, we really shouldn't be using consumer brands in here because I'm not sure if you're aware, Van, a lot of times at the start of the school year, all the parents get a note saying, please send your child back with a bucket of wipes. So everybody runs off to their consumer brand store, buys their consumer brands and sends them back to the school. Well, I know as an infection control practitioner, schools have problems with the vomiting and diarrhea ripping through the school, where all of a sudden you've got 30% of the kids not showing up because they're all at home uh, vomiting and diarrhea, giving it to mom and dad who then work in hospitals or other retail areas. They're sick and can't go to work. I would rather have nipped that in the bug by using a good product at the start. The problem is you can't get a lot of good products that are going to take care of things like norovirus and rhinovirus at a retail level. And I think this is a position where we have to get a lot better communication going between schools and industry like ourselves, where they can actually get products that are going to be effective against a lot of these things. In some cases, your consumer brand will be good enough. I think at home, is probably fine for you if you feel you have that need to disinfect surfaces. If At home, you want to give the bathroom a wipe down. But if you've had somebody sick with the vomiting and diarrhea, Uh, which works its way through homes. Unfortunately, I've been there a couple of times where it's gone through, fortunately, just my wife and I not our kids. Uh, But that's when I would probably want to step it up. And if I absolutely had to, that's when I might want to take a look at diluting some bleach for that one-time clean uh, when there's been something like this if you don't have a stronger product available.
0: did I cover that okay? Yeah, no, that that was great. And especially, it really hits home when you start talking about the schools and the products that are brought in by the parents. And even sometimes the products that are, because sometimes the schools spec what you should bring in, too. So how important it is to get the right products in there. So that, that was a great summary. Um, and I, as always, Jim, I just want to thank you for your time today. And uh, thank you for letting us use your brain as usual. So we, we, we appreciate you. You're a wealth of knowledge. And, and uh, thanks again. Thanks, man. Hope we can do this again. You bet.